Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth, and I'm here today with Arnie Stoller. Thanks for joining us, Arnie. Before we get started, let me tell everyone what's coming up next. We have on tomorrow's show Tyson Grace and Paul Storback from Graybach LLC Construction. They're one of the fastest-growing privately held companies in Cincinnati. Next week, we have Joe Callahan from Callahan & Associates. He's going to be talking about some aspect of financial planning. Then on Friday, we're going to have Bill Case from American Mortgage. Should be an interesting show. Uh, skipping around a little bit, we're going to have Scott Simpson on uh, February 15th talking about uh, employees. He's from Precision Staffing Services. And, and we're going to have some home builders on later in February. We're going to have Mike Kegley from Bold Homes and John Huber from Huber Homes. So we have an interesting assortment there. And uh, David Doherty from Education at Work is going to be on on March 7th. That's a show that no one should miss. David had, was the CEO of Convergis, and he has set up a company to provide American customer service for companies here in Cincinnati at rates that are competitive with going offshore. So he's got a fantastic idea. He's in operation and has more than a couple of uh, class customers. Okay, what else is coming up? Next week, we have the uh, Cincinnati one-day cold call camp next Wednesday. There are a few places still available for that. If uh, you use cold calling as a method to get in front of prospects, a great camp for you, how to stop wasting your time on the phone, how to get by the gatekeeper, uh, three fantastic scripts for your contact we'll build. We'll also give each participant five methods of breaking other people's voicemail so your calls get returned. That's a good idea, isn't it, Lonnie? It would be, it would be very good. Yeah. Uh, and... We still have a few places left in, in that program. The last two hours of the day, we actually make live cold calls, and we record the calls and then debrief them. We do that in small groups so people can see what's working, what isn't working, and we keep a tally on the front board of how successful we are. Usually at the end of two hours, we've gotten through to more than 50% of the people that we've dialed, and several face-to-face meetings have been booked. Wow. Okay, so it's a strong program. Uh, Speaking of strong programs, uh, February 14th and 15th in Orlando, the Sandler Client Summit, No Guts, No Gain, How to Get Stronger in Sales. It's going to be a great two-day program. It's the second Client Summit, and there's a special guest speaker we have from 
a little company called LinkedIn. Brian Frank, who is their head of global sales. Brian is going to share with our with our group how LinkedIn uses their own product to grow their brand and increase their market share. So that should be a, a talk that might be worth the whole price of admission. So that's available. You can go online to clientsummit2013.sandler.com to uh, sign up for that. We have a, three or four people from the Cincinnati marketplace who are going to that, Arnie. Uh, and I think there's one guy from my Columbus going that I'm aware of. Okay. Let me tell everyone a little bit about Arnie. Uh, Arnie is the owner of Kovac. Uh, and you started that business in 1967. That's right. A lot of years ago. Uh, but you began your career as a pharmacist by right? purchasing your your dad's pharmacy. That's true. Okay. It was in Covington. It was called the Covington Apothecary. After some years of practicing pharmacy, Arnie realized that the, he and pharmacy were not a good match. In 1967, he started the business by selling supply items to pharmacies using direct mail advertising. He named the new company Covap, taking the COV from Covington and the AP from Apothecary. Covap was soon selling to pharmacies, I guess, in two right. states. That's right. Uh, and later developed specialty products for florists, locksmiths, and antique dealers, all selling via direct mail. Every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Covap's advertising was done during, using direct mail, Arnie and his staff had to become experts in bulk mailing process and procedure, working with the U.S. Post Office. Every day. Oh, well, it's you, not me. Uh, some years later, using this experience, Covap be- began offering bulk mail services. How, how long have you actually been doing bulk mail services, Arn? Uh, I meant to look that up, and I didn't, but I think it's about 20 to 25 years. So you, you're a, you're a, an old hand at this. Yeah, I've been doing it a long time. Good. Uh, <clears throat> although pharmacy products still account for a largest proportion of Covap's business, bulk mailing is now the second largest part of the business and growing. Uh that's that's been our growth area for some years now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel that people are going back to bulk mail? Yeah, uh, I really do. Uh, bulk mail took a, a nosedive when the recession started. I mean, it was doing just fine until the recession, and and people had to save money quickly. And the e- easiest way to save money if you're in business is to cut out advertising. Of course, that can be a dead end street. Uh, because when you cut out the advertising, you go down even farther. But it's a fast way to save money, and, and a lot of people did. And some of our customers uh, went out of business quickly when the recession started. Uh, the biggest customer we had was out of business in uh, a month or two. Uh, really? Well, they were selling loans. They were selling a loans. Company. Yeah. And, I mean, they, that was, they were the, our biggest customer, wow. and they were just suddenly out of business. So... Uh, yeah, from our point of view, and I think from everyone's point of view, bulk mailing dropped precipitously. Uh, but it's coming back, and it is—it still has some great advantages in certain ways over almost any other kind of advertising. Uh, if you can target your advertising, it's really great. If you can't target it, if 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 you're selling something that everybody in the world uses, then direct mail advertising probably is not a good way to do it. 
But so give us an example of a good. Well, I mean, and hypothetically, let's suppose that I have a product that's that's made for left-handed people, and right. if I can get a mailing list of left-handed left-hand- pens, you got it. If I can get a mailing list of left-handed people, it's a natural. I will almost certainly do very well by advertising directly to them instead of buying advertising on the radio or in newspapers or almost any other kind of advertising that just blankets the whole population. I'm pretty sure we won't be able to find newspapers to advertise. That's true. But if I can target that well, then and if, and if my product is good and if my price is fair, I'm going to be successful. What kind of response rate should people uh, use to judge that this, this uh, email of, I'm sorry. I, I know where you're going. Response Correct. rates are a killer. Uh, well, you know, if, if you're selling yachts and each yacht makes you an enormous amount of money, you don't have to have a very good response rate. Mm-hmm. If you're selling Ticonderoga pencils at, you know, 50 cents a piece, you got to have a really good response rate. And, and I, I'm sorry, but I kind of think about it as at the end of the day, do you have more money in your pocket than you did when you started with? Uh, if you're making money on the, on the mailing, then it's a good, good response. I used to look at radio that way. Yeah. And uh, when I was advertising with, with Michael Savage, as I told you earlier, uh, it was like a guarantee. If I put $5,000 in advertising in, by the end of the year, $15,000 would fall out. Yeah, you know, that's not bad. Hey, it was it was great. The only problem was it, it was no there was no way to put $10,000 okay. in. Well, of course, 50, that's a 30, problem. $30,000 fall out. That's probably problem. If I go back to the other analogy, if there are only six left-handed people around, you're not going to sell very many pens. No. Uh, and that's, that can be a problem also. And it might be a problem to acquire a mailing list of left-handed people. Yeah, although that would be a problem. However, you'd probably be amazed at how many uh, fancy lists you can buy that are that are uh, things that you really wouldn't expect to be. Back to your question, though, about what kind of response rate. Uh, it is not uncommon for people who are very early in doing any advertising by direct mail for them to assume they're going to get a 100% response. I mean, how... You get sold on the product yourself, and you, you think, well, my God, how can anybody read this ad and not want to buy it? Well, that's, a, that, that's and, crazy. It's well, never going to be that high. 100%. I did it. I did it. I mean, our, the first the first ads we saw, sent out, it's a long time ago, were for some rubber stamps that we felt every pharmacist could use. I mean, they, we had 25 rubber stamps that just, it, you couldn't run a pharmacy without these rubber stamps, I What did the rubber stamps say? Oh, there was one that had, our favorite was a date stamp that had the pharmacist's initials next to it. And a pharmacist years ago, when they f- refilled a prescription, were responsible for putting on the back of the prescription the date and his initials. Mm-hmm. And after a hundred times of stamping the date with a dater and then writing your initials, you realize how neat it would be to be able to stamp your date and initials at the same time. Uh, and I mean, we had a number of rubber stamps that just we couldn't. Be- my wife, by the way, my, my wife is a pharmacist also, uh, and we're in this together. Um, anyhow, we came up with these 25 rubber stamps, and we put together, it was our first direct mail effort. We put together a little catalog with 25 pages on it, each one illustrated rubber stamp, and we mailed out 100 of them mm-hmm. and felt, I mean, and just waited for the results. We figured we'd sell at least 100 stamps, I mean, because everybody could use at least one of these stamps. How many did you send out? 100? 100, 100 of them, yeah. It seemed like an awful lot to us. Well, we did get one call. Some some guy wanted to buy a rubber stamp that had nothing to do with any of the ones that we had advertised. Mm. And we, so we sold one rubber stamp that we didn't even advertise. And 
Uh, that was a dash of cold water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, back to, I guess, I keep getting back to your original question. It is not uncommon to get a 1% or 2% return. I mean, 4% is usually considered really good. On the other hand, there was one time when I got a 10% return on a mailing and lost money on it. Uh, and there, it's not uncommon at all to get a 0.5% return and make money on it. So it always gets back to how much do you need to make money. That's really what it is. Yeah, we, uh, in 92, when we started the business here in Cincinnati, we were using a lot of first-class direct mail. And we would say you got a 3% response on what we called the wedding invitation, but it was 4% if you hand-wrote the addresses. Okay. Uh, because it got opened. And so that first year, I was handwriting a lot of <laughs> addresses with my wife on envelopes, putting first-class stamps on. Uh, we couldn't get away, for that, get away with that. We Later on, we accepted a lower response rate by putting on pre-printed pressure-sensitive labels. Fair enough. I have some theories about that, too. I... I I honestly believe that most people are fairly bright, and when they pick up their mail, it's pretty unusual for them to throw something away if they're reasonably sure they're not interested in it, unless they're reasonably sure they're not interested. So when you pick up your mail, very few people just pick it up and throw it straight in the trash can without looking at it. Uh, you, you leaf through it, and you look at each, probably look at each piece and make a very quick decision, maybe a second or less, mm-hmm. on whether or not it's something that interests you. So we had a theory uh, that went further than that, and we said that Mondays is the worst day for a piece of mail to arrive for a, a business owner because uh, if he was out on Friday, there's Friday mail, Saturday mail, and maybe Monday mail. Right. And there's too, the, the pile is too big, so he's not going to be interested. He's going to be interested in throwing away as much of it as he possibly can. So we would rig mail so that it would arrive Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Yeah, that you can do that. That's very hard to do, by the way, to rig it that way. Well, if you if you drop it in the mail on Monday morning, it ain't going to be delivered yeah. on Monday. And of course, you're talking about first class mail where you have Correct, more sir. control. Correct, sir. Uh, but you know, you're spending an awful lot of money for that first class mail, and if you think about it in the terms of how much more mail you could send out uh, at, at, for the same amount of money. If you were doing it a less expensive way, I wonder how your percentages would work out then. I don't know. What, what, would, what would the percentage of savings be if you moved your mail to another? Oh, I think the next one down is what bulk. Well, uh, no, no. Oh, yeah. the, the post office doesn't like the word bulk, by the way. No. No. Used, uh, years ago, our, the permitted that thing was printed in the top right of the envelope where a stamp would ordinarily go used to say bulk rate mail, and some years back, they out, well, they, they, the post office will not accept mail if that box says bulk rate now. Mm-hmm. It has to say pre-sorted standard, which, is, which rhymes with bulk mail. Uh, pre-sorted standard is the current term for what we've always called bulk mail. Uh, at any rate, you asked about the difference in cost. It's a big difference. Uh, you, a a one-ounce letter sending first-class mail, your postage is 45 cents. Uh, go, soon to go to 46 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-sorted standard, it, now it depends on a lot of things, how many you're mailing and where they're going to, but it can be as low as around 20 cents up to about uh, 
no more than thirty cents. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so at least the one third savings. At least, yeah. Can you so you could send out. On there? Hmm? Can you, we had a rule that said you couldn't use a postage meter. You, you wanted to have a stamp. So are there pretty stamps for that? There are not, as far as I know, pretty stamps. Pretty Let, stamps. Work. Let's let's get back to another theory. Yeah. I, my, I'm I'm back to that theory that people aren't stupid. People are fairly bright, and you can fool them. You can you can handwrite names and addresses on them. You can make make them think from the outside that the letter is coming from their aunt Susie, uh, and they open it and they find out it's an ad from you instead of being from their aunt Susie. I don't think that's good. I think that they're, they, at that point they feel like they've been cheated or at least fooled by you. And if you fool me on one thing, maybe I don't think I want to trust you to not to fool me on something else. Well, the question is, how do you get the, the letter read? Well, well there, there there are two ways that I know of, or well, three ways. Two ways. One one is have a return address and have have some kind of description on the outside that is a pretty good description of what you're what you're offering them, and if they're interested, they'll open it. Uh, so basically, tell them what you got, and if they want it, they'll open it. The other way is the opposite. Don't tell them anything. Leave. Don't even put a return address on the envelope. Nothing. And there are a lot of people who will open something just because they don't have any idea what it is. So you kind of agree with one of our theories, that curiosity is certainly is a great motivator. Well, it certainly. And we uh, we have clients uh, on both sides of that fence. Uh, some of them don't want anything at all in that envelope except the addressee's name and address because mm-hmm. they want to, they want it to be a mystery. And they're willing to accept uh, the loss of the pieces where the address is bad. Well, there'd be a lot. Well, that's a whole that's that's a whole different talk. If if we're talking about pre-sorted standard quote bulk mail, uh, it won't come back anyway. Oh, I uh, know that. Unless you put unless you're willing to pay the postage to get it back, you can put on there uh, chain, uh, return service requested, and then it will come back. But you'll pay forty five cents to get it back. Uh, so in most cases on pre-sorted standard mail, uh, you've, you're not going to get it back anyway. But that, that swings over into another topic of getting your addresses correct. Uh, which And there is a service that is available now that is really very good uh, called NCOA, which stands for National Change of Address. Uh, we can take a mailing list and send it through a service, and that service will automatically check the name and address on each 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 record of your list against a database that is kept up to date by the United States Postal Service from information they get when you fill out a change of address card at the post office. So if, for instance, I have your name and address in my list and I got it, say, eh, 10 years ago at Red Bank Road. Let's, let's not talk 10 years ago, but let's do talk four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, up to four years. Uh, if you moved from there uh, less than four years ago and went to the post office and filled out a change of address card. Sure, I wanted my mail to follow me. We will automatically get your current address on that list before we mail it. We'll, by sending your list through NCOA service, there's a, there's a charge for it, but it's not enormous. And it will update the list and it'll put, it'll put your current address in the list and your mail will go there and we'll be able to give you back that, if it's your list, we'll give you back that list showing you what what has changed. Oh, that, that's pretty much fantastic. It's so very you, cool. You're keeping the list with a high hit rate. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very good. And of course, the other way to do a similar thing is to put or current resident. Uh, so it and it and it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling lawn service, you don't really care who lives in the house. Right. Uh, the house isn't going to move. That's right. Uh, and if 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 the person moved to Toledo, you don't really want him to get your mail because you're not going to take care of his lawn in Toledo. Mm, not no. if you're in Cincinnati. No, I'm not a national company. Yeah, so it depends on on your list and how you feel about people moving. And what about business to business? Same thing. Uh, it, again, if they fill out a change of address card, the NCOA will update it. It'll and even if they've uh, decided to get a PO box instead of uh, getting mail at their regular address. It'll change it to the P.O. box. Good. On uh, This has been a great, great discussion. We're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, Arne's agree- Arnie has agreed to take calls, so if you have a question for Arnie, you can call in on 646-595-4916. We're going to have a uh, couple of short commercials, then we'll be right back. This is Mike Roth. Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at RothConsulting.net. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Arnie Stola from Covap. Arnie, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you or your people after the show? Easily. Uh, By phone, 800-366-7135. Or locally in Cincinnati, it's 513-793-1855. Uh, email, email is a r n y at covap. That's C like in Charles, O V like in Victor, A P like in Papa dot com. Or um, send smoke signals if you want, but uh, we're not too good at receiving those. No, no smoke signals, but they could send you direct mail. You betcha. <laughs> I bet you open your mail. Uh, so you go to mail exclusively by uh, uh, direct mail. I'm sorry, what are you asking me? Uh, do, you, do you take, how else do you get orders oh, uh, other than direct mail? Well, uh, we do have a website, of course. Okay, so you, and, you have a way for someone to Oh, order. yeah. Our, 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 now, our, our website is very useful for products that we sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the products, you mentioned things for pharmacies and florists and, 
antique dealers. Yeah. Uh, for our services, our boat mailing services, the website is not as useful. It, it describes what we do and gives you some information and tells you to call us mm-hmm. uh, because you, you can't really sell, uh, you can't really buy services like that over the web. Um, however, I have inbound telesales people. Of course. Yes. I didn't know how many do you have. Oh, by, I don't know the term exactly. Inbound, you mean people ready to answer the phone? Right, right. I, I, <laughs> I see you've got bulk mailing services. I'm shopping for bulk mailing services. Give us a call. No, we, how many people do you have standing, oh, standing by to take those calls? Oh, well, in our company, everybody does everything. So, yeah, it, we don't have people sitting there just waiting to answer the phone, but people are doing a lot of different things. But in all, we generally have about five people ready to answer the phone. And uh, and th- and we don't uh, we don't have a decision tree. When you when you call someone, answers the phone and says hello. Uh, actually, say Covap Incorporated can help you. Uh, well, it might be you or your wife. Rarely, but th- that does happen now and then. Okay. Uh, but I mean, we we have uh, right now we have I think fifteen employees. Um, so we're we're not General Motors, but we're we're definitely in business. Okay. Uh, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities over the next couple of years for your business? Well, uh, we uh, we suffered during the recession. I told you that our, our, our things went down considerably. The bulk mailing dropped precipitously mm-hmm. during the recession, and it's climbing back now. I'm looking for it to continue climbing. And uh, it has caused us to do a lot of searching for other things that we could sell and other people could sell, too. <clears throat> Uh, one of the things I'm excited about, uh, we've recently come up with a a plan to help companies, especially pharmacies, but other companies to get more business. <clears throat> uh, we call it our New Moves program. Uh, we develop postcards, good, really beautiful, five and a half by eight and a half, full color, glossy postcards for each customer. A series of for pharmacies, for instance, it would be a series of three postcards. And they are mailed automatically to people who have moved into their area each month. So each month we get a mailing. Let's let's say we have a pharmacy in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, mm-hmm. who wants to use this service. We will work with them to do, decide their market area. And usually it's a radius around their address of usually three miles or so. But it can, well, in the Bronx it might be a quarter mile. And in, in uh, Oklahoma it might be ten miles. Uh, but we'll develop a market area. And each month we will get a list of the people who families that have moved into that market area during the previous month, and we'll mail them that their, their, their number one postcard. They'll have three postcards, A, B, and C. We'll mail so them there. That's a pretty definitive marketing list. Oh, yeah. And there are companies that... that oh, you bet. No problem. I don't even know about that. And so we mail that, that A card out, and then four and a half weeks later... We'll mail the B card out, and four and a half weeks after that, that we'll mail their C card out. So over a nine-week period, this new family in their area will receive three postcards from them, each different, similar but different. And they'll almost always have an offer on there, come in for a free something, maybe dollars off on a purchase or a free pill container or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a. We just started this service uh, in August was when we first started creating top of mind awareness in these exactly uh, new consumers in the market exactly. area. And uh, this is a, a growing thing. We're, we're so far it's doing rather well, and I'm I'm thinking this could 
do very well. Uh, it all, the, the germination of this was by the fact that we've been dealing with, with drugstores for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And we have thousands, literally thousands of customers that we sell to, mm-hmm. pharmacy customers. Uh, we've been doing direct mail services in the greater Cincinnati area for eh, 20 years or so. And we have, oh, less than a thousand. We have several hundred clients who use our bulk mail services. I realized I would like to expand things. I would like to sell direct mail services to these pharmacies, of which we have thousands of customers. So the pharmacies that you're doing business with sound like they're the locally owned pharmacies oh, yeah. as opposed to the CVSs. Yes. We we do sell a little to the chains, but not much. Uh, in most cases, the chains really don't need us. They can they can provide their own products themselves. They're, they're providing... Well, if TV they're doing a lot of our yeah, a lot of our stuff that we sell to pharmacies is printed, printed forms, and a lot of for pharmacies we have everything from mortars and pestles and graduates and signs and price marking machines and all kinds of stuff. But chains, generally, not always, but generally, have their own departments that provide these things, and they don't really need us. <clears throat> That's not without exception. We do have some chain business, but most of it is independents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the independent stores, uh, for them, it's really hard to advertise effectively without going way, way high in money. This is a way that they can advertise at a pretty re- pretty affordable rate. And this would translate also to other kind of, any kind of a, a company that is dependent upon people coming into their location so that they're interested in people moving into their neighborhood. Uh, and coming to find them, this new moves thing would be a good thing for. I'm currently working on a plan for community theaters to uh, find new new people to come to their theaters. I'm, I'm involved with community theater in Cincinnati, and we're working up a program so that community theaters could mail a postcard out to people who have moved in not far from their, their theater mm-hmm. to develop new new people, new patrons to come to their theaters. And this could work for any kind of business that needs people to come into their location, where location is is important, and so drawing a circle around, a radius around their location would find them people that they want to deal with. Anyhow, that's that's one of the things on the horizon that I'm excited about. Sure, sure. Uh, in any given market, roughly how many of these theater companies do you think there are? In Greater Cincinnati, you're talking about? Well, Greater Cincinnati, let's say we have a population of 1.8 million, and how many theater companies? Greater Cincinnati. Now, I'm talking about community theater. I'm not talking. Community I'm theater. not talking about professional. I'm not talking about the RNF. Right. In the Broadway community theater, series. there are between 20 and 30 community theater groups in Greater Cincinnati. Wow, that many. We're people have said we're kind of the center of the universe for community theater. The we have people moving here from other good sized cities are often surprised how much community theater there is in Greater Cincinnati. That's good. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break here. Again, if you have a question for Ani, you can uh, call in on 646-595-4916. We'll be right back. I'm Roger Wentworth with Sandler Training. I'm going to talk to you today about rule number 25. If you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. 
You see, it's a common scenario that prospects ask us to do some work prior to really engaging with us. It might be groundwork, it might be an estimate with some solutions, it might be a site survey, it might be a working diagram with some detailed analysis of how we're going to solve their problems. And in our eagerness to please them, we jump at the chance because it allows us to show our expertise. The problem is, we don't really know what's going to happen next. You see, your prospects want to know what you know without making any commitment to you whatsoever. And the typical salesperson is willing to do that. That's when they become an unpaid consultant. So if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. When they ask you to do one of these bits of work, play the let's pretend game. It sounds like this. Okay, Bob, let's pretend we do that. And our solution fits everything you need. And it really works well for you. What happens next? Now, as a side note, make sure you define everything. But when you ask this question, what happens next? Watch your prospect closely. Because what they're about to do is to tell the future. The rule is, if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. This is Mike Roth, again with Arnie Stoller. Arnie, we were talking uh, during the Sandler Rule about the common mistakes that people make in direct mail. They either hurt their effectiveness or cost the money. Maybe you can run down the list for our listeners. Sure, sure. Um, there are a number of mistakes. The first one, and the one that we see constantly, is that people don't, they start too late. They just don't think about how long it's going to take uh, to get it done. Uh, it's not uncommon for someone, to a, a client to call up and say he wants to get out of the mailing and it's got to go out a week from today. And at this point, he hasn't even thought about what it's going to look like or how it's going to be printed or anything. Well, that's just not enough time. Uh, be aware of, of the, th the steps that you have to go through and think about it. Uh, first of all, you have to decide what what, is, what your piece is going to say, what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. You have to do layout, usually some artwork to get, and if you, you're going to furnish it or get clip art or something, somebody's got to do it. Uh, you have to figure out who you're going to mail to. You may have a list. If by, so, by, by the way, do you guys do that for people? We, do, we don't draw. Uh, you but create the we can, creative we, we can help. going to be mailed? You know, Mike, we're like a cafeteria. You walk mm -hmm. in and, and whatever you want us to do, we'll... We'll do as much or as little of it as you want. Uh, although, with the exception, we do. I don't draw things, but clip art is is available for an enormous amount of things. And the hard part about clip art is deciding which piece of art you want and looking through thousands of pieces of clip art to decide what you want. Mm -hmm. You can spend an hour looking at clip art and deciding what you want. I mean, there's an enormous amount out. Anyhow, uh, you need to decide what the thing's going to look like. You have to decide. Uh, what it's going to be printed on, what kind of paper, cardstock, whatever. You have to get it printed. You have to leave time for that. You have to, you need a list. If you don't have a list, you have to decide what the list should be. And it takes almost no time to get the list once you've decided. That's a matter of minutes. Do you help people acquire the list? Sure, well? sure. We can. We get lists from people all the time. 
So they give you the parameters that they're yeah. looking for, and and we'll work with them. We'll we'll uh, and well, it's easy to get counts. I mean, if you if you tell me you want a list of people in uh, a certain area that have homes with a certain value or with a certain income, or there there are people who own their own homes, or there, there's there are so many different parameters that it, it's hard to list. In fact, I'm I'm often amazed at how many we can get. I had a client not long ago, telling me that uh, she wanted to find people that would uh, perhaps want a pole barn built. And therefore, she wanted to know people in an area that had large amounts of acreage. And I had no idea a list was available. So I called up uh, one of the folks that we we get these this product from, and, oh, yeah, sure, we can put it in. What 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 size acreage do you want? And it's amazing how much you can get. I'm, I wouldn't swear you can't get a list of left-handed people, although I have never tried. Anyhow, uh, you need a list. You need to leave time to get the thing printed and assembled. You need time to get it addressed and, and sorted and mailed. And you need time for the uh, post office to, to deliver it, uh, which first-class mail is a day or two, but pre-sorted standard mail, which most people use for this kind of thing, it can be longer. If you're mailing from uh, from Cincinnati to the West Coast, you better allow at least a week for it to get there. It might be a little bit longer than a week because the post office delivers first-class mail as first priority, naturally. Mm-hmm. Pre-sorted standard mail is a lower priority. And if they're busy with first-class mail, the pre-sorted standard will wait. Uh, so, And then add a, add a few days on for unexpected delays, things you didn't think about. So three or four weeks is not unreasonable. So in other words, if I was... Uh, a jewelry store, and I wanted to get a promotional piece out for Valentine's Day. Uh, it's pretty today. late right now. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty late right now. Pretty late right now, or you're right up just about. Yeah, I mean you're you're on the you're on the edge right now, and that's assuming that it's not going to take you very long to decide what you want to do. That it, unfortunately, that's that's what often takes the most time is for the the person who's wanting to send this out to decide exactly what they want to do. What there's usually an offer involved in a piece of mail. Right. So in a business-to-business kind of direct bulk mail, uh, how many weeks in advance of a seminar would someone have to drop the mail? Um, and, and that's a hard decision because you don't want to get there too early or it'll be forgotten or ignored. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to get there too late or it'll, it'll be too late. Uh, and that's a function of where your list is what kind of a list you have. If if your list is going to uh, spread all over the United States, you have to allow for the fact that some of the things are going to get there a day or two after you've mailed it, and some are going to get there a week or two after you've mailed it. And you've got to figure out how to handle that. Let's pretend you're going to all send all of your mail to the same city. Okay. And if it's in Cincinnati or, or very close to where you're mailing it, usually, underline usually, it'll be delivered within at two or three working days, uh, although there's no, no guarantee. Actually, there's no guarantee on first-class mail either, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you figure a week, that's that's pretty safe. Uh, and, again, it's, it's the thing is, if you're sent advertising a sale that's going to be over by the by the 10th, and if you mail it by the 1st, you're probably okay. But if, if, if it really takes a long time to get there, and doesn't get there till after the tenth. The mail was really totally wasted. So, yeah, I would usually suggest being playing it safe and mailing it a day or two earlier than you thought, because 
at a certain point that male is really dead. Mm-hmm. So are there any other common mistakes? That oh, yeah, make? I got a whole bunch. Okay. Um, targeting. Uh, you need to figure out the best target. If, if Again, back to the analogy, the left-handed guys. If you can come up with a list of left-handed people, if you're selling a left-handed product, that's perfect. Uh, and in your case, it, it might be a list of people who have certain income or live in certain kinds of homes or in certain areas. Uh, we're right now uh, working on a, a mailing list, a, a client who wants to mail to certain streets. Uh, and we're going to be purchasing a list and then weeding out the people that don't the addresses that are not on those certain streets because this client has determined that certain streets are, are good ones for his business. And we're going to work with him and try get that done. You know, we had a client in the financial services world who had one specific zip code. Yeah. Where he claimed the response rate that was 300% higher than the number sure. two. So, so yeah, you do what works. Yeah, we didn't mail up any other zip codes. Right. Uh, another thing is be prepared for success. Uh, it's easy to be prepared for failure. I mean, if, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell, and, and you've lost some money and you're, and you're finished. But you got to be prepared for success. Be prepared to get calls. Can, are, you, are you ready to handle them? Are you ready to follow up with things? Or uh, will, Do you have the answers for questions that will be asked? Do you have the product that will be bought? Uh, it's kind of foolish to spend money on advertising if you're not ready to accept the success. Um, the next the thing is, if at all possible, do some testing. If you're talking about a large campaign, mail out a, a, a reasonably small batch of, of mail to see how it works because you'll probably fine-tune things as you see what works. You can fine-tune your list. You can fine-tune your printing, your, your layout, your offer. There are lots of things to, to work on. So testing really helps because even though you think you got it perfect the first time, you probably don't. And by the way, in, in, in when you're writing these things, uh, I just hate to see copy that's full of I, my, our, we. Uh, our company has been here for so many years, and we have done this, and we have done that, and ours this. I think the copy should be about you. It should be about the person who's reading it. You will do well if you buy this product. You will be so happy with the product you're going to buy. You will, you'll, you'll be thrilled with the service that we're going to sell you. Uh, just and in any kind you can, use the word you, mm-hmm. and don't use the word I. Um, and then back to our 100% thing, don't have unreasonable expectations. You're not going to get a 100% return. Uh, you're probably going to get a much lower than 100% return. And, and, and do the arithmetic and see if, if you can be successful financially with a return of oh, probably 2% is a, is a fair number to think about getting. And Unless you're selling yachts, and not many people are. No, we did a seminar uh, with Bulk Mail in Columbus a few years ago. We sent out 5,000 pieces, and we wound up getting 66 people in the room. Okay. I I thought that was highly successful. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. um, Another big stumbling block, proofread. Make sure that your phone number's right on the thing. I mean, it happens. (laughs) It happens. Uh, make sure that things are spelled right. Make sure the grammar is correct, unless there's a good reason to use bad grammar, and sometimes there is. But is, the person who rece- who's reading that piece that you've written, they're going to get an impression of you from that piece. It's all they got. Yeah. And if, and you if watch you're Jay Leno, he does a whole bit every week about bad ads. Okay. Well, bad offers, misspelling. Yeah. 
And it happens. I mean, good grammar is is expected and appreciated. Or actually, it's the other way around. You really notice bad grammar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so be careful about that. And be careful to get your phone number right. Uh, and be re- by the way, remember to p- answer all the questions. Where, when, what, why? Uh, all those things should be in there. What is it you're telling? I'm assuming you're selling a product. And by the way, thought mail is or pre-sorted standard. I'm sorry, pre-sorted standard mail is used by organizations too. A lot of organizations use it. Churches, a lot of nonprofits. By the way, nonprofit rates, postage rates are much lower than than other rates, and it's much cheaper for them to send out information to their parishioners or members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but make sure you answer all the questions. If you're if you're trying to Get a point across if you're trying to, uh, to sell something. Make sure that all the questions are answered. Where can they buy it? How do they buy it? How much is it? All the questions. What, uh, what, what's your feeling about a call to action? In the That's one of the things on my list here. Yeah. Something on there needs to, needs to make me get off my butt and go do it. Yeah, either. And I don't like the high-pressure stuff. If you don't do it now, it'll be dead. But... But some reason to call today or some reason to act today, and that it could be a price that's only good for a certain amount of time. It can be something or even just a phrase, call right now. <laughs> I mean, operators are waiting. I mean, it sounds silly and you've heard it a lot, but that's why it's there. Okay. Any, are there any others? Um, that pretty much. Ex- uh, oh, I'm sorry. I did leave out one topic, uh, repetition. Uh most people who have done very much direct mailing have figured out that uh, the first time a person receives your mailing piece, he may or may not react. The second time, he's more likely to kind of find it familiar. Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw something from that, that company before. And about the fifth or sixth time, you're old friends. And and they think, oh, it, well, the joke is that at about 23rd time, they they think to themselves, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to buy one of those things. Uh, but repetition does help. Good. We, we, we had a, a a direct mail program for business to business, and we said that in a one-year period of time for an account that you want to break into to get top-of-mind awareness, three was the minimum number, and it would, wasn't unusual to go to 15. Yeah. And that was... a magic number. We're going to take a uh, another short break here and then we'll be back with Ani Stoller from Covap. Uh, if you want to call in with a question, the number is 646-595-4916. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 
646-656-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. This is Mike Roth and uh, Arne Stoller. Uh, we had one thing that we left out as one of the things to avoid, Arne. Okay. Okay. You called it? I called it C-I-P-U. It's an acronym. It stands for CLEAR, IF PREVIOUSLY UNDERSTOOD. And it's a, it's a mistake that is so easy to make. We make it ourselves all the time and watch for it. Uh, when you're writing copy, some advertising copy, that you want to sell somebody something or get a point across, and you're so familiar with the topic that you're writing about that if you go back and read it as if you didn't know anything about the topic, you won't understand it. It was clear to you because you understood it be- before. Yeah, and Sam would call that using buzzwords or... Right. Three-letter acronyms or four-letter acronyms. Exactly. PLAs, FLAs. Yeah. They so confuse people. Clear if previously understood. Make sure that someone who does not understand would understand what you're trying to trying to tell them without any previous knowledge. It's It happens all the time. It's very easy to fall into that trap. You need to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arne, you've been leading the company for a lot of years. Perhaps you could give our listeners uh, a leadership tip. Oh, my goodness. A leadership tip. Okay. Treat people like they're intelligent and they want to do the right thing. Uh, I, you know, we've I've had a lot of employees over the years and we've dealt with an awful lot of people. It's pretty unusual for people to want to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unusual for people to want to do bad. People want to do the right thing. They want to, They want to do what they should do. And you need to give them the means to do it, and to a certain extent, trust them to do it. Mm-hmm. Treat your customers or your clients or whatever, the people you're dealing with, as if they're intelligent, decent people. And you'll nearly always be right. There's there's some there's some exceptions, but they're pretty rare. Okay. Pretty good uh, leadership tip. And uh, the other question I like to ask people is, uh, we have a theory of operation here that complex problems are rarely solved by simple solutions. They need complex solutions. Perhaps you could share a complex problem that you've had in your business and the equally complex solution you use to solve it. And perhaps that could be, from a theory of operation perspective, transferred to another business. Well, one of the most complex problems that we run into constantly is I talked about testing, and we're forever testing. Uh, and in direct mail sales, it should give you the best information possible as far as what advertising works and what doesn't. I mean, you, you mail out a 1,000 pieces of advertising, and if you get 10 sales out of it, you you know what you've got, and you know who bought it, and you 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 know an awful lot. And that sounds very simple, but it gets much more complex if you've, continue to send out advertising. In our business, for instance, we've been selling, sending advertising to pharmacies for well over 40 years. Uh, and so the first time we sent out an ad to these pharmacies, 
And we got response. It was very easy. You can draw a percentage very easily. You know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then you send out a second ad to the same folks, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. And in in many cases, we've sent out probably hundreds of pieces of mail to the same folks, some of which have never bought from us. Mm-hmm. And so you get an order then. And which tell me which which ad did that? Was it the last one or the first one or or the four hundred or, or the thirty fifth? And to try and figure out what which ad was responsible for your sale, there you go, it's complex. And the next question is, how often should I send to these folks? Mm-hmm. And that's something we tackle constantly, and, and for, we're forever changing. About, uh, I guess about 15, 10, 12 years ago, we, we did a fairly big project trying to figure out the optimum spacing of time between advertising to uh, custom, people who have been customers and people who have not been customers. Mm-hmm. And we came up with a solution that I thought was pretty scientific and was pretty accurate. Uh, and then the recession hit, and we were doing a lot less business than we had been. And we were money, money was scarce, and I had to find out, find a way to save some money. Well, we, I did a little bit more study on this, and uh, came up with somewhat different answers. Uh, yeah, we did. We figured out that there was a fair amount of advertising. We were basically flushing down the toilet, hmm. and we cut it way back. And uh, that's that's one reason we're still in business. Is that uh, and, it, and it's a it's an ongoing thing that you talked about complex. It's very complex. What you, you, when selling to the pharmacies or the locksmith, <laughs> you're selling business to business. Exactly. Uh, what kind of optimal time frame are you talking about? Two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight, eight, uh, eight weeks? Well, we, we and this is, a, this, we're shooting at a moving target. This, this is an ever-changing thing. Really? But right now, we're, uh, if you, if you buy something, uh, a product from us, if you're a pharmacy, for instance, that buys something from us, you'll get an ad from us every month. Uh, one a month. Uh, as long as you've bought rather recently. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, we have a scale that uh, depends on how long since you've bought, and it stretches out to uh, once a month is the most often, once a year is the least often, and it's, it's graduated in between. And, and and there are some there there are some places that we've elected not to send advertising to at all because we've just decided it's just not going to work. Okay. Uh, but so it 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 starts off at once a month and drops to never, mm-hmm. uh, with with graduated steps. That's pretty good for for business to business. Are you uh, using outside? This is about the internet. Uh, I know you're a direct mail business, but you did say you have a, a website. Oh yes. Uh, are you spending time, money, and effort on promoting your your website so people can find you on the web with Google? Somewhat, uh, not as much as I expect to in the near future. Uh, we yes, we we use a QR code. Uh, a QR code, CIPU. A QR code is that spotty thing that you can hit with your iPhone and it'll get you to a website. Sure. Uh, and we we put a QR code on some of our advertising, which leads you to our website. Uh, I put the QR code on the there you go. promotion to our radio show. I have strong reservations on how well they work, but uh, so what? there's yeah. no way to track them. For yeah. Me. Uh, anyhow, we use that, and every piece, most of our advertising when it goes out, advertises our website. 
so we, we try to draw people to our website by direct mail. Okay. Uh, the, the, the website, unfortunately, doesn't come out and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, buy something from me. Uh, but the direct mail does. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is that the direct mail will lead them, lead a, a prospect to the website, and there they will find uh, literally thousands of products that they might buy from us. So, yes, we, we use the website currently as a secondary thing. Uh, I hope in the not-too-distant future to, to be much more aggressive about getting on to getting picked up on Google and so forth. I have some plans for that, but it's, it's not not in motion at this point. But right now, uh, as a pharmacist or a locksmith, could I go online to your website and find something oh, I sure. want to buy? And sure. So I'll take six of those or 12 of those. www.covap.com. And uh, we've sent out so much advertising over these years that there aren't, well, I flatter myself to believe that most independent pharmacies uh, are familiar with us in the United States. So you've achieved what I call top of mind awareness in your desirable opportunities. I, yeah, that's, I'm patting myself on the back, and I shouldn't do that, but yeah, I think so. Nothing wrong with that. You've accomplished the task. I, I you've been at so. it for 40 years. Yeah. Um, I uh, really appreciate you being on the show with us today, Arnie. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give you a copy of one of Sandler's first books, The uh, Can't, Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. It's got a great explanation of the Sandler selling system in it. And uh, you can read that. I'll also give you a free pass to one of our training classes. Uh, we have a couple of good shows coming up. Arn, again, thanks for being on the show. Nice being here. Uh, Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.